I'm Scott Montesano, and this is where the Chippewa Valley comes to talk. So excited to chat with all of you here on this lovely Tuesday, or, or no matter what day you may be listening to the program, or of course to those who are watching on Facebook as well. We're so happy to have people uh, all over paying attention to Talk of the Town. And again, Scott Montesano with you. Hey, we got a lot to get to here on this program. Again, I got the headset on. I've got my glasses on as well. And for those who are watching on Facebook, they get a, a look at me with the headset on, which I already, I, I'm rather self-conscious with the headset. I've got the headset on. I've got the glasses on. I don't like the way I look with glasses. I'm a complete mess today. It's one of the rare times Scotty is not confident about his physical appearance. But we will make up for the lack of confidence there by, by dishing out some great audible chocolate uh, today. Uh, in a moment, we're going to come down hard on some Eau Claire, on Eau Claire City Council candidates. Eau Claire City Council races, part of the April 6th election. And we're going to come down very hard on some of the candidates for not doing the most basic thing, which has to be noted. We'll do that. But first off, I have been giving you all an update on the vaccine wait for me. Was able to put myself on the list starting March the 1st. Put it on with Marshfield Clinic. Well, we'll jump right to the end, then we'll back up a bit, like one of those plots in a movie. I am now vaccinated. Happily, I can report that I am vaccinated. I got vaccinated on Saturday as part of that big vaccination clinic that Eau Claire County put on at Memorial High School. That took place on Saturday. Signed up for it Friday night. And now Marshfield Clinic, I got a phone call to schedule my appointment with them on Saturday while I was on my way to get the shot at Memorial High School. So it's all now beginning to happen with the J&J &J vaccine in the pipeline the supply and demand is now beginning to even out more. Uh, you just saw in the state of Wisconsin, they're, they're bumping up now some of the waits. Uh, people that were going to have to wait to the end of the month can now start on Monday to get added into the pile. It's now starting to happen a lot quicker. And the next issue is going to be getting people to get vaccinated. And I'm going to tell all of you out there right now, if you're even 1% interested, get the vaccine. It's interesting how it happened for me on Friday. I was actually doing the Blue Gold Women's Hockey game on the radio. And at about 5.30, it's the intermission, and I take a look at Twitter, and there was a tweet out from the Eau Claire County Health Department saying, hey, we've got this mass vaccination site that we're able to open up for Saturday. You just got to sign up for it. They had 400 spots available. So I quickly got on there, and I got signed up for Saturday afternoon. 
oddly enough, when I went to bed on Friday night, about 11.30, there were still probably 50 to 60 spots still available. And that frustrated me. This, this should have been as popular as back in the 90s and you were trying to get really, really hard to get concert tickets. It should have been a flood of people to sign up and people get it and it should have been filled up in an hour. But I'm not necessarily thinking it did not get filled up quickly because people were not interested because by the time Saturday rolled around, it was filled. The standby list was filled as well. I think it's a matter of a lot of people didn't even know it was going on on Saturday. I don't think a lot of people knew it was going on. If you didn't have Twitter or Facebook and you weren't checking it out, and it's Friday evening into the into the night, you're, you, a lot of a lot of people aren't on Twitter and Facebook Friday evenings. If you weren't checking those out and you didn't know somebody who knew somebody, you didn't even know it was going to happen on Saturday. I don't blame the county health department on that. I do blame, to some extent, the local TV stations who did not report it. It was not reported in the evening newscast. It was not reported at the 10 o'clock newscasts. Swing and a miss. By the, and I don't think it was shared on social media by the local TV stations. And, and forget about radio. Radio's not local anymore. And with the leader telegram... They're a ghost on the weekend. So it was up to the TV stations. They didn't, they didn't report it. Now, now, again, the mass vaccination on Saturday ended up being filled. And some would argue that, hey, it's better that it, it, it simply got filled and we don't want to have just a rush and then you're getting a lot more people disappointed. This way, most of the people that really wanted the vac- vaccination – got the vaccination on Saturday. And I think that's the key thing out of all of this. That's why I say I don't really want to hammer the TV stations for not covering it. That's not the story. The story is there was a mass vaccination clinic. There's more mass vaccination clinics coming to Eau Claire County now that you have the J&J vaccine. And the whole process on Saturday was so smooth. So smooth, so well put together, so smooth. Everybody was so nice. It was almost a a silent head-nodding party, by the way, as you wait for your shot and everybody's kind of looking at each other with a smile on their face. A few people were extremely happy to be getting the J&J vaccine because it is just one. A couple people specifically were very open in saying they had denied other vaccines because they wanted the J&J because it's only one. Regardless, got the shot. Uh, Did feel some side effects on Saturday morning. Felt fatigued. I had a fever for the morning. Had some body aches. Had some chills. That was the worst part. I had chills. I had a hard time sleeping. Saturday night and the Sunday morning, I had chills. But I felt fine Saturday night, 
It was just overnight in the Sunday morning. I didn't feel 100%, but it was all mild. I was I was good old rambling, bambling Scott by Sunday evening. A lot of people are experiencing some side effects. There's a number of people aren't experiencing anything. Again, if you're even 1% interested, get the vaccine. Get it. I am coming across more and more people that are openly saying, I'm not going to get the vaccine. And everybody's got their own reasons as to why they won't. I heard a great reason over the weekend. A person said, well, they're already talking about booster shots. I'm going to see if I can wait till the fall and get it all in one fell swoop. Everyone's got their reasons for doing it. I'm not going to chastise you if you don't get the vaccine. I'm not going to chastise you. But if you're even 1% interested, get it. Get it. Don't talk yourself out of it. But if you're not interested in the vaccine, I'm not going to be able to convince you otherwise. It's the smart thing to do if you're at all interested in the vaccine. If you have any reason, if you are somebody that does not want to take the vaccine, I'm not going to be able to change that your mind on that. Speaking of doing the right thing, the smart thing, we have a great article. Our, our Grace Olson went out and did a great article breaking down the Oakland City Council elections coming up April 6th. The city council is one of the easiest things people complain about. They, they bitch and moan about the Eau Claire City Council. Oh, the council doesn't know what it's doing. They don't accomplish anything. They've got a wild agenda. Everybody always complains about the Eau Claire City Council. Well, here's the election. And you've got three contested races. Grace Olson lays it out for you. The key is here, though, there's three races. Grace Olson did a great job reaching out to these people. Did everything she could to get in touch with these people. She only heard from two, she only got she only got in contact with two people. And a third that said they would get back in touch with her and ended up ghosting her. All were incumbents. None of the challengers. First, Gabriel Salive. Gabriel Salive is technically running against Andrew Worthman, but I wonder if he is even still running because I couldn't find uh, a Facebook account for him. Uh, I couldn't find any sort of website for Gabriel Salive. Uh, so I don't know if he's still actively running against Andrew Worthman. Uh, but I'll tell you right now, it, it, does not look good for Gabriel Saliba if he is. Uh, Josh Stanley. Now, this is a little bit more interesting. Josh Stanley is going up against Jeremy Greger, who is looking to move on from being a rookie council member to now being a veteran. He, this is his first time up for re-election. Josh Stanley provided nothing. And then you've got my district. Emily Anderson is the one who ghosted our reporter. Worthman and Gregor both spoke. Emily Anderson ghosted our reporter. She said she would talk to our reporter. She would only answer the questions via email, though, which already was a little shaky. And then she never responded to the emails. 
but her challenger, Kyle Woodman, did not respond to anything. So let's take a look at that. Andrew Worthman up against Gabriel Salib. Andrew Worthman speaks to you. He talked to you. I, I keep saying they didn't respond to Grace Olson. They didn't respond to you. There's hundreds of you that check our website out a day. This is not two people. This is not ten people. This is not two years ago when we were first starting. There's hundreds of you daily in Eau Claire that check out this site. Andrew Worthman spoke to you. Gabriel Salib was a ghost. Jeremy Greger spoke to you, answered your questions. Josh Stanley had no time for you. You're not important. In my district, Emily Anderson thought about it, was going to, just didn't have the time to talk to you. Kyle Woodman, you're, you're nope. There's no reason for me to talk to you. They didn't decline comment. They just did not respond. They didn't say, no, we're not going to talk to you. There's something you said or anything like that. No, they just did not want to talk to you. They didn't respond to you. The email came in, and they just glossed over it. Wasn't important. It's that email from your parents saying, hey, they love you. Hey, that's nice. I got to move on to something else. We've all done that. The email from a friend checking in. You're like, all right, I'll put that off to the side. I'll check that out later in the week. I got... I got other things here. I'm going to start off again in my district with Kyle Woodman. Woodman's a frustrating one. He has some 12,000 Facebook likes, but I don't know how many are in this district, this neighborhood around South Middle School. There's not 12,000 people living here, but his Facebook page has got 12,000 Facebook likes. Now, likes... Likes are very much like crabgrass in your yard. You know, it's, it's something that you maybe are concerned about and you think is important, but most people drive by your house and don't really care if there's crabgrass in your lawn. Same thing with Facebook likes. Does it mean anything anymore? It's not 2013. You have 12,000 Facebook likes, you put a post up, Still only 15 people see it. You got to pay to play on Facebook. But still 12,000 likes is 12,000 likes. Kyle Woman is an active Trump Republican. If Andrew Worthman is very openly liberal, Kyle Woodman is the antithesis of that. Now for me as a voter in this district, I don't know much about either of them. I'm in this district. I am going to vote on April 6th. I don't know much about Kyle Woodman. There's been a couple mailers that have come to my house, that, but between the mailbox and the front door is the garbage, and mailers end up in the garbage every single time. doesn't matter. You, you, could, you could literally have a million-dollar check in the mail sent to me, but if it looks like it is a spam mail, it gets in the trash before it even gets into the house. So I don't know much about Kyle Woodman. There's, a, there, there's been signs up in our neighborhood in previous elections he's run for. But I don't know much about Emily Anderson, outside of the fact that she's there now. 
and I lean towards sticking with Anderson just because I don't know if Woodman would be better. I do think the city council could use an openly conservative person, but ultimately I'm not voting for any national ideologies in local elections. You shouldn't vote for Andrew Worthman because of his connections to the Democratic Party, and you shouldn't vote for somebody like Kyle Woodman because of his unfailing support for Trumpism. At the local level, it's civic projects, it's business support, it's making sure the roads are paved and other infrastructure. So I'm not going to vote for Woodman just because he's heavily conservative. How is that going to play in the local elections? It's no different than the uproar people had a few years ago when the liberal leaners on the council you know, got all excited about supporting the, the Paris Accord. That was pointless eyewash, remember? So you're not going to try to bring in somebody with a conservative lean just so that they then can start to try to throw national ideologies in the other way. National ideologies, whether they're liberal or conservative, are pointless in local politics. And I think Kyle Woodman missed a huge opportunity to really lay out his agenda. You're going to say, Scott, they've got a website. Yeah, but here's a chance to talk. And I'm not going to be honest with you. I went and perused their websites, but if, if I'm not in my position, I'm not even looking at the website. Missed opportunity for Kyle Woodman. Missed opportunity for Josh Stanley making a, a bid against Jeremy Gregor. And I don't even know if Gabriel Saliva is breathing right now in his race against Andrew Worthman. I said this last week when I warned that this is what we were going to do. Anyone who ignores ignored our reporter, it's an insult to her. She's good. It's an insult to our platform, obviously. But importantly, it's an insult to you. Again, hundreds visit our site daily. They ignored all of us. They turned up their noses at us. Now, I'll get on Jeremy Gregert and Andrew Worthman for a variety of policies, but they are both unquestionably excellent at communicating with the public. Outstanding. Facebook, Twitter, responding to our reporter communicating with the public is objectives one through nine of the ten objectives a politician has. And objective number ten is to remind yourself of one through nine. I'm not telling you sh you have to vote for Jeremy Greger coming up or Andrew Worthman coming up. But do consider the fact that they respond and they talk to you. Do consider that. Maybe you've got some other things that you just can't get by and you're going to vote for the challenger. That's fine. But consider this as well. Your challengers didn't want to talk to you. And then in the other race, the one that I've got to decide between, you got Emily Anderson and you've got Kyle Woodman. And I've always said this about local elections. You've got to, if you're the challenger, Unless the incumbent has done something to lose the job, 
And Emily Anderson has been one of the more quieter city council people. The downside is I can't really point to things she's done, but I can't point to a reason to get rid of her. If you are the challenger, you've got to give reasons that you're going to do a better job. And in Kyle Woodman's case, yeah, you're conservative, and I lean a little bit more conservative on a fiscal level, but boy, we put it on a T for you. The talk, be aggressive. Be aggressive. Free advertising. That's the other thing, too. If, uh, Kyle Woodman's case, you talk about supporting business and all of that. One of the biggest rules of business is you never turn down free publicity. <laughs> and again, I'm not saying we're not endorsing anybody. I'm not saying vote or don't vote for people. I can't sit here on, what is it, March 16th and say I'm not going to vote for Kyle Woodman. Because maybe in the time between now and then, I'm going to actually get some more information on the guy. And it might turn out that, eh, you know what? You know, I, as I said before with Emily Anderson, I don't have a reason now to vote her out. But I really can't point to a reason to keep her either. But if the challenger is not significantly better, then I'm going to go, oh, I'll stick with the person who's been there. And is more is more used to how it goes. Those are the tough things when it comes to again local elections. It's less about red and blue than it is on the feel of things. And the the actually the last thing I'll do before we take our our time out here is this: do vote on April sixth. And I go back to this all the time. You're hiring people to do a job you don't want to do. We put these people in charge to do things so we don't have to do them. That's key. And you, when you put them in, you're trusting their judgment. You're trusting their judgment. They're going to do the, the homework. They're going to do the studying. And they will make things go the way that they are supposed to go. Ah, you got to love it, don't you? Continue on with talk of the town here. Uh, in a moment, uh, update on the Daniel Peggs trial and uh, a story of a former Eau Claire teacher really reminds us of something that we all have got to keep in mind. We'll talk about that and more here in just a moment. If you're watching on Facebook, the full show is available at echometownradio.com. Just go to the talk of the town page. You'll get the full show there. Hi, my name is Jamie Liebrandt and I'm the Chief Credit and Lending Officer for Northwestern Bank. Every employee is focused on what's best for the customer, what's best for the community. Other banks make it harder than what it really is. You know, at the end of the day, a lot of it's based on do you trust the person in front of you? And if you do, don't make it hard, make it easy. So to me, that's what makes the bank special. Northwestern Bank, building stronger communities where people matter. Member FDIC. We're now joined by Craig with Toys and Ford, and he is here to tell us a little bit more about this hometown dealership. Craig, so many service options in town. What makes you stand out? There's lots of places that you can go get your car serviced. And, and one of the things that we've always taken great pride in in the Toys and family is the strength of our service department. 
it's something that customers have a lot of anxiety in, and, and there's a trust factor that we take very seriously. And it's kind of one of the great things about our new dealership is that there's a window right in the waiting area that you can look out in the shop and see exactly where we're at with your vehicle, what's being done, what the progress is. So if the service writer hasn't checked in with you for a few moments, you know exactly what's going on with your car. You can see it right there. And I think that's been really a great thing for customers who are sitting here watching their car getting worked on. Thanks, Craig. And you can learn more yourself by visiting toysin4.net. The one thing that is undeniably universal is that death is inevitable. The death of a loved one is unsettling, regardless of the situation, and as such, those at the end of the process serve an invaluable role. Our friend Randy with Stokes, Proc, and Munt and the Cremation Society is here to tell us how funeral directors are here to provide much-needed assistance. Our main job is to educate, to comfort, to give them order, and to help them consider celebrating the life of the person that they lost, which is very therapeutic for them in the long run. Randy and the folks at Stokes, Proc, and Munt, along with the Cremation Society, are available to answer any of your questions, including pre-planning your arrangements. Check them out online and on social media. We continue on with uh, Talk of the Town. Scott Montesano with you, our uh, final segment uh, of uh, this program today. Uh, lots still to get to here in the next uh, couple of minutes. We'll have more we'll get to on Wednesday. Uh, quickly, the, the Daniel Peggs trial. It's been a year. Remember, that happened just before the shutdown. The, the whole thing, Daniel Peggs, the, the once very rising, popular superintendent in Altoona, the charges of, uh, of sexual misconduct with minors. That happened just before the whole shutdown thing, the whole story where the, 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 the feds got him on the way to school. Oh, boy. And remember, the, the, the positive out of all that was how quickly and efficiently Altoona moved. In the midst of a pandemic, they got somebody temporary in there. Now they got Heidi Eliopoulos in there. Altoona's moving along. Daniel Peggs, meanwhile, the trial has been delayed. Uh, that is because some 500 more videos are being entered into evidence and his lawyers need time to review. Remember, there was, a, there was part of it, too, where there was a guy connected. People were sending me stuff where there was a guy connected to a Renaissance fair that used to be in Chippewa Falls. And that story would have had a little bit more salacial details, and I think the community would have latched onto that for many more months after, if not for the shutdown. And I think once the trial begins, people will be interested again. But the trial being delayed uh, because more evidence, 500 or more videos being entered into evidence, and his lawyers, rightfully so, need time to review. Speaking of schools, story of the former Eau Claire teacher charged with sexual misconduct with a minor from years ago. This came out late last week, and I'm not going to break down the story for you uh, because all I'll say is this. He could be guilty. The guy could be guilty. He could be innocent. This story in particular, wait for the facts. It is an accusation 
from somebody some 15 years after the fact. Again, 50-50. You and I don't know. Let me repeat. We don't know. I'm not calling the young woman who has come forward a liar. I am not. Absolutely, positively not. And I'm not saying she's being factual. She has said what she has said. That's a strong accusation to make. All we have now is she says this happened. He vehemently says it did not happen. And you and I are in no position to offer any opinion than that. There is no evidence that has been presented yet. Whereas in Daniel Peggs' case, there was evidence. There is no evidence here yet. Let's look at it, though, from a realistic standpoint. Why would she come forward? We don't have any reason to think that she would come forward for anything else. He's, uh, so why would she come forward? Uh, yeah, he's vehemently denying it, but as I've always said, you pound the facts or you pound the table when you don't have the facts. Uh, we'll see how it all plays out. Realistically, you lean towards thinking he probably did something. But there's a lot of layers to the whole thing that you want to peel back. It's a story that, boy, you kind of want to see it play out. It's just not the way things go, but you, you kind of want to see it play out. If he's guilty, it's disgusting. If innocent, his life is ruined regardless. And that's the key thing out of all of this. When I was looking at social media Friday night, trying to see if the TV stations were covering the mass vaccination happening on Saturday, I noticed this story, and I noticed the guy, the guy's already guilty in the eyes of the public. And again, it's the same 10 people that post on QOW and EAU's page. But still, the jumping to conclusions. I'm not saying he's innocent. He may very well be guilty, but I don't know that. You don't know that. This is just one to take a step to the side, folks. You don't have to comment on every story. Take this, for instance. I, This is a, a podcast where I comment. I'm not going to comment that he's a disgusting guy because he could be innocent. I'm not going to call the, the, the young woman who's now come forward a liar. But I'm also not going to say she's extremely brave for coming forward because we don't know. Just t You don't have to, folks, always give an immediate opinion. You can let things marinate. Let it marinate. In a few months down the road, as this thing plays out, and the news, and the, the news media in this town does a very good job now of following up. They'll have a follow-up to this. There's a good chance that something happened. And we've seen other stories here locally of teachers recently. McDonald's had an issue and, and all these others, Chippewa. I think there was another teacher in Eau Claire charged in Menominee of doing something. I mean, it's, 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 a, it's a rampant issue right now. Also, more people are coming forward. They feel uh, the ability to come forward, which is good. We, we've seen this play out, and there's sadly a good chance that it's going to play out that same way. 
but that is not set in stone yet. So just take a breather, everybody. Take a breather. And I personally wish on stories like this that we find a way to keep the accuses the accused's name out of it. I, I really wish we would find a way to keep the accused name out of it. And that's not just for these accusations, but a number of other accusations. Is there a way we can keep the accused's name out of these situations? If they're guilty, there is plenty of time to march them through the march them through the virtual street and face the sea of tomatoes being thrown at them. It'll happen on social media. But what do we accomplish by putting his name out there on Friday? And it's not just the news media because if they cover if they don't report it, it's public record. So how do we do that? And I don't think it's a good thing. Some people have said, well, why can't we, you know, the fair is fair. Why can't, why, why, why is she able to stay in anonymity? Well, I do believe the experts who say if the, the people that are going to make these accusations, they have to come forward publicly, there's a number that would not do it. Now, some eventually over time say, yep, that was me, but it would keep a number of people in the shadows, which you do not want. But why, why do we have to publish the accused name? They're not guilty, they're accused. And I get it, there's a good probability that something happened. And if that's the case, the name will come out. The name will come out. And I, 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 I really wanna stress, I'm not trying to defend the guy. I'm not trying to defend the guy. You look at the story, by the way, it seems like it was it happened at a home. You really want to see how it played out. Uh, you know, and again, I, I'm just saying right now, I'm not ready to take that leap right away that he's guilty. Trust me, I, you read it and you go, boy, if it's 100%, but as the description is, yep. <laughs> I just want to see how it plays, how it plays out. I'm not defending the guy. I'm just saying you can take your time. You know, gather up your ammo if you want. Gather up your ammo. And as things play out, then we can start to hurl things. And it doesn't even have to be guilty. If, if, if they follow the case and you can start making, you know, that's one of those key things too. Once you get to the case and things are being presented, then you can start to make some more educated opinions. But right now on just a story, you can't do anything. I've said the same thing when we've had these nonprofits accused. I've said the same thing when these nonprofits have been accused. Let's get to the case before we really can make our opinions known. All right, that'll do it for today's edition of Talk of the Town. Back with an all-new edition on Wednesday. On behalf of everyone who made this podcast possible, I'm Scott Montesano saying there's a great, big, beautiful tomorrow shining at the end of every day. Make sure to take advantage of it. And until next time, so long, everybody.